And the title of today's message is We Are Chosen. We are chosen. Man, this one's big. I'm telling you, I'm so excited to, to preach this message. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words already. But let me give you a little bit of history about the book of Ephesians. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the author. He's the one who wrote the book of Ephesians. Uh, when he's writing the book of Ephesians, he's in prison. So if you ever feel sorry for yourself, just remember that most of the Bible, most of the New Testament was written from prison. <laughs> it ought to make you feel better. <laughs> so Paul's in prison. He's in a town called Ephesus. And Ephesus had about 300,000 people in the population uh, right about this time. Uh, he didn't write the letter just to the church of Ephesus. He wrote the letter to all the churches surrounding Ephesus. So the book of Ephesians wasn't written just for, for Ephesus. It was written for all the, the churches in the surrounding cities around it. Because Ephesus was like a center point or like a, um, a, a midway point between a bunch of, of other major cities. Okay, And so Paul wrote that letter. He, he wrote the letter... To Christians or believers, um, and its major theme is this identity. When you read the book of Ephesians, you realize that Paul was trying to get the church to understand who they were. It's important. You're going to get something from this series. It's important because you're going to find out who you are in Christ. And by the way, the word in Christ appears 35 times in six chapters. You think Paul was trying to get a point across? In Christ. Think about that. 35 times in six chapters he puts in in Christ. So let me ask you a question. How many of you remember, if you can remember that far back, you know, this is such an old church. If you can remember that far back to your, your school days, your, your grade school days. How many of you remember the recess when uh, it was time to play a game or maybe in the neighborhood after school uh, at the playground, you would you would get a bunch of kids together. And let's say you want to play tag football, which we never played. That was Tag football was for girls. We, we played tackle football, usually in the mud. And so we, all the guys from the neighborhood, we knew that when it rained, we would all come to this because we lived across the street from elementary school. And we'd all come to the field at the elementary school and we would just tear the grass up. Look like a bunch of pigs done rooted in there. And so what we would do is everybody would come together and we would pick two captains. And then those captains would pick everybody to be on their team. You remember that part? How many of you enjoyed being picked first? Right? Wasn't that good? I wasn't always like a pick first kind of guy. I was always kind of mid-level kind of guy. And every once in a while I get picked first, but as if some, so-and-so and this one didn't show up, you know, I would, I'm the hero today. But, but most of the time I was in the middle. But man, when I occasionally got chosen first, it just did something to me. It like took my game to a whole nother level. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, I could run faster, catch better, throw better tackle better right because i was chosen first it put a, it actually put a, a bit of confidence in me now when i was chosen last it was the total opposite i was like dang man i'm last you know and you're watching the countdown so this one gets picked and that one gets picked and this one gets picked and you think okay i'm next and then that one gets picked and you go well dang and then this one gets picked golly and this one then you're like man and by the end of it all you finally you're like the leftover how many of you know what that feels like to be the leftover? Just be honest. You're in church this morning. No condemnation. Yeah, but you felt like the leftover. What did that do? It didn't build confidence in you, right? It kind of built this insecurity. It kind of built this thing like, man, I want to go home. I ain't getting full of mud to be picked last. 
So, so that's what it was like. So if you remember those days, I want you to remember that because what we're going to be talking about today is we are chosen. And I want you to understand that God chose us. And I want you to understand how he chose us. Is that all right? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse three, uh, 4. Actually, verse 3. And I'm going to read all the way through to, to verse 14. So I want you to just to hear... You can read on the screen if you'd like. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God chose God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom and the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring together under the authority of Christ everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes us he makes everything work out according to his plan. Verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So if you're taking notes, number one, he chose you before. This is important. This is, I mean, if you hear nothing else today, you need to get this one thing that he chose you before. Before what? Before he even created the earth for you to live on. You were on his mind before the earth was. Remember the story of the playground? Being chosen first? Being one of the early recruits? What that made you feel like? God chose you before he formed the earth for you to live on. This is good news. Ephesians 1, 4, 4 says this, that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Why is this so important to understand that God chose us before? Because you need to realize that God chose you before you could mess up. He loved you and he chose you before you could even mess up. He loved you and he chose you before you could even get it right. So that right there should just should just squash the whole religious thing that I have to be good and I have to be this and I have to measure up in order for God to love me. Because that's not what Ephesians says. Ephesians says that before he even had a place for you to stand on, he made his mind up about you. Before you could mess up, before you could get it right, before you could fall on your face, before you could get praise from other people. He decided long ago that he loves you and he chose you. 
That ought to free somebody up right there this morning. I mean, it, it really ought to. It ought to. It ought to just knock some kind of religious thing off of you this morning because we, we live life. And let me, I understand the tendency that I have to be this and I have to be that in order for God to love me. Watch this verse. You need to see the play on words here. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be what? Holy and without fault. You can replace without fault with blameless. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Why do we need to be holy and blameless? Not so that he'll love us, but because he loves us. Are you seeing this? That's relationship. Religion says that I need to be holy and blameless so that God will love me. But relationship says that I am holy and blameless because he loves me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm, I'm producing good spiritual fruit. I'm, I'm acting right. I'm living right. I'm doing all these things because of what he's already done. It's motivated by his love and his choosing me. It's not motivated by me wanting him to love me. Are you getting this? Religion says you have to earn it. If that's the case, then Christ never needed to go to the cross. Right? God chose you before he had a place for you to walk on. It was an, it was an in advance decision. He makes us a part of his family by adoption. So what does that do? Why is it so important to understand that? Why is it so important to understand that he chose me before? Because when you understand that God made up his mind before I ever made up my mind about him, it should give you a confidence. Believers today need to be more confident than ever before. But the sad truth is that we're a bunch of whipped puppies walking around with our tails between our legs, not doing anything. I still love you. But the reality is, is that we should have confidence. Why? Because I'm already chosen. I'm already loved. He made up his mind about me long ago. It should give me a confidence. It should give me security. It should give you security. Like if, like if somebody comes and messes with you. Like your daddy's going to come down the street. Who messing with my kid? Right? I mean, I, I lived on a street with, it was, we lived on the corner, and then my cousins lived next door, and there was four of them, and then my other cousins lived next door to them, and there was three kids there. And, and the way, this is how we spent our summer days, is we would fight with each other until somebody else came along and started a fight. Then all of a sudden, mysteriously, we became one team, Working in harmony to whoop whoever was coming after us in the neighborhood. And then as soon as that fight was over with, we go back to fighting with ourselves. It's just the way it was. But there was a security knowing that even though my cousin's beating me up, I know that if somebody bigger, badder than him comes, he's got my back. It's weird, but it works. Right? And so there should be a security knowing that if God chose me in advance before there ever was, that, that he's going to be with me the whole time. That he's got my back. And by the way, if God chose you, then all of heaven chose you too. Amen. 
So it should bring confidence, it should bring security, but it should also bring a blamelessness. That I'm blameless. I'm blameless. Listen to me. Every person in this building has fallen. Every person in this building has been prideful. Every person in this building has rejected God at some point in your life. No one in here is perfect. If that was the case, you wouldn't be here. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. But God sees us as blameless. You got to get this. How can he see me as blameless when I've, I've got reasons to be blamed? I, I've fallen. I've made bad decisions. I've done dumb things. I've done this and I've done that. Or I haven't done this. How can he see me as blameless? He can see you as blameless because you are in Christ. Christ is the one, when God looks at you, he sees Christ who is blameless, spotless, and he sees you the same way. Is this making sense? So he sees you as blameless. So what, why, why is that important? Because it should give you even more confidence. That even though I stumble and even though I fall, even though I make a bad decision, he still chose me. He still sees me as blameless and holy in his eyes. That's what the scriptures say. Because you see, when you stumble and you fall, the enemy comes alongside and tries to put his foot on you and hold you down. I watched a video on Facebook. I don't always click on videos on Facebook because sometimes you can get in trouble. But there was a guy on a subway. I like subway fights because we don't have subways. And so there was this one guy. He, he must have been intoxicated. But basically, he's, he's in there. And he's causing trouble with everybody on the subway. I mean, he's cussing up a storm trying to pick a fight with this one. And finally, one guy has enough. And he goes, that's it. He gets the dude, puts him in a chokehold, puts him to sleep, lays him on the ground, and then he does this. He stands there with his foot on his back until the cops come. You see, the enemy wants to do the same thing with you. When you stumble, when you act like an idiot, and when you fall, he wants to come alongside and put his foot on your back and hold you down. But that's not what heaven wants. Heaven wants you to get back up. Keep on going. Don't stop. That's why the Bible says in 1 John that if you're faithful and just to confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You see, God doesn't want you to stay down and dirty. He wants you to get up and get clean. Amen. And so the enemy wants to hold you down. So you need to realize that I'm blameless and that God doesn't want me to stay down. So number one, he chose you before. Number two. He chooses you now. You see, it's great to know that he chose me before, but what about now? What about today? What about now that I've, I've lived a little bit and I got a track record? <laughs> Come on, all you with a track record. <laughs> what about now? Does he still choose me now? But pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the decisions I've made. I don't care. He still chooses you now. He has not changed his mind. It was his plan, the Bible says. Watch this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. 
This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He decided in advance to adopt you into his family. You need to bump your neighbor and say, I'm adopted. I belong. I belong in a family. Some of you are here this morning and you've been church hurt. You know what church hurt is, right? That's where somebody in the church decided that you didn't belong anymore. And they tried to put you out. That'd be like one of your siblings trying to tell you you don't belong to, the, to your mom and dad anymore. They don't have that authority. Right? You don't belong to mom. Mom and dad don't love you anymore. They gave up on you. They quit letting you belong to the family. You know what I would say? Shut up. Mom and dad didn't say that. Right? You belong to the family. He, he chose you in advance and adopted you. Into his family. How did he do that? He did that through Christ Jesus. How do you become a part of God's family? By giving your life to Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor? That's a big word. That's a big cliche. That's a church thing. No, that's, it simply means this. That I decide to follow Jesus instead of following myself. That I surrender my life to him. I repent of my sins. I let that go. I allow him to forgive me. Come on. And then I forgive myself. Okay. He forgives us, but a lot of times we don't forgive ourselves. And if he can forgive me, then I can surely forgive myself. And that's how you come to be in in God's family. It's through Christ Jesus. It's through a relationship with Jesus. That's why Paul says 35 times in this one book, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. What is your identity? It is found in Christ, not on Facebook. Get you some of that. Your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. When you give your life to Jesus, when you say, Lord, I surrender, I'm tired of running my own life. I'm tired of making all these mistakes. I've been in control too long. When you make that decision to follow Jesus, welcome to the family. You belong. And then what? Then you just continue to walk with him day by day. Every day you just keep walking with him. And listen to me, you're going to stumble. And you're going to fall. And there's going to be days, maybe even weeks, that you don't want to follow him. There may be even be months and years that you just stop following him. Even though you give up on him does not mean that he gives up on you. Right. Amen? Yeah. He chooses you now. So why is that important? Because that's important because now we have something to praise God about. I mean, all of this news so far should be should be stirring up something in your heart that that's just got to come out. I mean, it should be it should be making you feel different than when you walked in. Smile for me or something. Come on. You're in big cheese. Even if you ain't got it yet, just anyway. 
It gives you a reason to praise God. Even when you don't, even when you're in those seasons that you don't feel like praising God, you still have a reason to praise God. We never have a reason to complain. We always have a reason to praise. Right? Paul, dear goodness, wrote this from prison. It's funny how he's in his deepest, darkest cave of life, and he's encouraging the people around him despite where he's at. But see, the opposite is true for us, that when we get into a cave or we get locked up or we get in prison, we want everybody to minister to us. Oh, what about me? I mean, you, you do it on Facebook all the time. Seriously, you don't think I watch you? I watch you. And then I pray for you. No, I'm not stalking you, I promise. Some of you. But some of you, you post things like, I need this and I need that. And I, and I understand crying out and I understand asking for help and, and asking for people to pray for you. I get that. But sometimes you got to learn that it's not about you. Sometimes you got to learn it's about praising God in your situation no matter what's happening. And sometimes you need to learn the art of praising yourself out of the prison. you got to have a vision bigger than the prison. We all have an eternal destination. Prison's just temporary. I think Paul understood that. And yet he encouraged the church to praise God. It's important to know that God chooses me now because I'm adopted. It it should bring about a belonging to you. There should be this belonging that I belong to something. I belong. I belong to something that's greater than the planet. I belong to someone who created the planet. I belong to a family that's out of this world. (laughs) Some of you have been saying that for the years. (laughs) (laughs) which is the wrong intentions, but I belong to a family that's out of this world. Come on, somebody. I belong to a higher family. It should bring that about in your life. So number one, God chose you before. Number two, he chooses you now, and you're going to need to remind yourself of this. Oh, and by the way, he said it pleased him to do this. (laughs) It also says that this is what he wanted to do. So if the enemy's telling you that somebody had God in a headlock and made him do this, it's wrong. He wanted to do this. He didn't do it out of circumstances. He didn't do it because somebody else made him. He did it because this was his plan. He wanted you. God wants you. Come on, somebody. It gave him great pleasure to do it this way. You know what you can say to that? You know what I hear when I read that scripture? Because when you read the Bible, you need to listen to. When I read that portion that says that he, he, he was pleased to do this, you know what I hear from me personally? I hear, God's pleased with me. I am the pleasure of God. I was on his mind before the planet was. So you can go hug all the trees you want. But, but I'm more important than the tree. That was deep preaching right there. But the reality is, is that he loves me and he's pleased with me and he wanted to spend time with me. He wants me. That just screams to me. I don't know what it's screaming to you today, but it's telling me that God wants me. He loves me. He chose me even before I was the first thing on his mind. Come on. The first thing on his mind was me. You need to personalize this thing. 
And you need to listen to what heaven's saying to you this morning. That he chose you before and he chooses you now. Number three, he chose you for then. He chose you for then. I'm going to explain. Go with me to verse 9. I want to read the rest, of the, the rest of this portion for you. It says, God has revealed, has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. So watch this. What he's saying here is that this is the plan that to, to fulfill his good pleasure, by the way. This is also another plan that pleases him. At the right time, he will bring together everything under, everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance, say inheritance, from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Now watch this. At the right time. See, he gives us the plan. At the right time, he's going to bring everything together. Come on, this is giving you big picture. This is giving you down the road vision. He's going to bring everything together. Heaven and earth under the authority of Christ. He's going to bring it together. Because he's giving us an inheritance. What's our inheritance? Eternity in heaven. That is your inheritance. What is the devil after? Your inheritance. What is he trying to steal from you? Your inheritance. Hold on to it. Hold on. That's why Paul said it. That's why he wrote it in the scriptures. You have an inheritance coming. God's plan is that he's going to bring everything together. There's a big day coming, y'all. Jesus is coming back, y'all. Any minute, y'all. Bump your neighbor with your elbow and say, he's coming back. He's coming back. Don't forget he's coming back any minute. That ought to put a little fire in your thing. Verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. Watch this. Let me give you this real quick. What that just said was that the Jews were chosen first. But then they were surprised because God allowed the Gentiles to get the same inheritance that the Jews got. If that's not anti-discrimination, nothing is. God does not discriminate against the people he created. That means that despite what you've heard, it's for you. Doesn't matter if your last name's Fontenot. You know their track record. Choking. Choking, it's just a big name. But despite who you are, despite who people said you were, watch this, it's still for you. If it was for the Jew and it was for the Gentile, that means it's for all of us. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your your financial status. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were raised up on. It doesn't matter what city you come from. It still belongs to you. So he says he identified you as his own. How did he do that? By giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom, by the way... He promised long ago. Verse 14, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us 
to be his own people. The spirit is the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is your identification. God chose you for then. He's, he's creating a time and a place for us to spend eternity. And you need to know this. You have to know this. That he's preparing a place. Jesus said, I need to go and prepare a place. But while I'm preparing that place, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to tell you what to say when you don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit's going to anoint you. He's going to come upon you and give you power that you didn't possess beforehand. Jesus didn't leave us alone to go and prepare a place and left us all alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit to come and take care of us. Watch this. That same Holy Spirit is your identification. How is that? How do you get identified by the Holy Spirit? By the fruit that's coming out of your life. You can't produce fruit on your own. You can only produce godly fruit by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you allow him to bring out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all your favorite things. Right? That's your guarantee. That's your identification. You should be different from the day you met Jesus. Anything that God possesses grows. God's a good farmer. He's a good vine dresser. What he touches grows. We should never be the same as we were the day we met Christ. We should be different. We should continue to be different until the day Jesus comes back. Constantly producing fruit. Constantly letting love come out of us. The love of God that he's given to us. Letting that flow through us into a a world that's dying, that's hopeless, and is unloved and condemned. That's your identity. The Holy Spirit is your identity. It's not how, how long you can pray in tongues. It's not how if you can prophesy or not. All those things are great, but that's not your identity. Your identity is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you and producing good fruit that the world can eat from. Amen. Come on, somebody. You need to be producing some good fruit that the starving people in this world can eat from. The Holy Spirit is our identity. He's also our guarantee that there's a day coming that we're going to receive our inheritance. Because here's the, here's the trick. As time goes by, we tend to forget. As time goes by and life happens, we tend to fall away from these truths. Are you hearing me? How do you know that, Pastor? Because it's happened to me. Let the struggles of life come at you. Let all of hell come at you and watch and see how your walk goes. That's a true determination of spiritual maturity, by the way. You see, the disciples were immature when they were in the boat freaking out because of the storm. Jesus was mature. He fell asleep. He slept through what they were freaking out about. Right? True sign of maturity. That no matter what comes your way, That you keep on going. You you see in this. He chose us for then. He makes everything work out. 
Why do we freak out so much? Why, why is it that there's a... Because, there's, listen, for all of us, there's always this one thing. This one thing that just pulls the trigger in your life. This one thing that just pulls the trigger of your gun. Why is that one thing there? I hate that thing. Because when it comes up in my life, it looks like this. Boom! Somebody just pulled my trigger. And I hate it. Why is there always... You know why? Because God's always wanting us to walk closer to him, to trust him more, to get to know him better, to help him, to help us understand. That's his grace to us to help us understand how to overcome that. God's not afraid to let us fall down and scuff our knees. Cuz then he can show us how he gives us a hand to pick us back up. Right? So he's he's preparing us or he's chosen us for then We've received an inheritance. We are sealed. Some of the some of the translations say we are sealed like a letter, just completely sealed by the Holy Spirit. He's our identification. So God chose you before. He chooses you now. He chose you for then, for the time that's coming. And watch this last point. I'm going to finish with this one. He chose us to bring him attention. This one's important. You say, well, Pastor, you said all of them are important. Well, yeah, that's why I'm preaching it. They're all important. This one's important. He chose you to bring him attention. What does that mean? Watch this last sentence of verse 14. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now, I could have said number four was he chose us to praise and glorify him. But those of you that have been in church for a while, you just hear that in passing. It's a church cliche now. What I wanted to do is help you understand that he chose us to bring attention to him. Watch this. Not by what you say so much as by what you do. As by how you live. Your life should be a spotlight pointing to God in heaven saying, hey, look at God. Look at what he's done in my life. If you think there's anything good in me, praise God because I didn't do it. He did. If you see my addiction gone, praise God because he did it, right? If you see me overcome my struggles, it's because he did it. Your life should be a spotlight pointing to heaven saying, hey, look at God. Look at what God's done. Our job is to bring attention to him, not to ourselves. As a preacher, you get sometimes when you get a good message and you kind of hit it right, people come up to you after church, man, Pastor, that was a word. Man, Pastor, that was good. Man, good preaching, Pastor. And I go, one side of me wants to go, yeah. Yeah, I put some time in on that one. Yeah. Thank you. But then the other side of me goes, it doesn't matter how much time I put in there. If you heard something from that, it was God breathing and speaking in your ear. It was not me. So I only got to go, praise God, because it's not me. Because God can take a mule and speak to somebody. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm not even going to touch that one. Because <laughs> I've been a mule many a time. 
but he chose us to bring attention to him, to praise and glorify him. Let me tell you what the world doesn't want to see right now. The world doesn't want to see a bunch of well-dressed people running around hollering, praise God, 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 hallelujah, praise God. They've been seeing that for 40, 50, 60 years now, and they ain't doing nothing. You say praise God, you're saying it for yourself. What the world needs today is people that live their life in such a way that it screams, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, hallelujah, praise God, look at God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. That's what the world needs today. Your neighbor that's addicted to drugs, your neighbor that's struggling with this and that, they need you to go next door and cut their grass when the lawnmower's broke or they sold it to go buy some crack. They need you to go over there and in your life say, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And then when they look at you like, man, you're so great. It's God, bro. I told a guy one time, I, 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 was, I was helping my wife mop the floors. We were living in Jennings in the neighborhood. And God bailed me out. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I mean, and I didn't want to mop them floors, but we had young babies, and she wasn't able to keep on time mopping floors. And I'm just, honestly, I have a bad attitude. <laughs> and I, I look through the door, and I see my neighbor across the street with his wife's truck or expedition trying to pull out this big old dump trailer full of broken up concrete that he had in his backyard. And I've been trying to witness to this guy, trying to reach him, trying to, you know, build a relationship with him. And I'm mopping. And I promise you it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, go help him. And I said, for real? <laughs> like, I can put the mop. You, you going to take care of her? Because <laughs> if I leave the mop, <laughs> you get me out of trouble. I put the mob down and went and said, hey, God told me to go help so-and-so. She said, okay. And so I did. I had a big three-quarter ton Ford. I jumped in my truck. I was so excited. I was like a kid that just got out of being punished. I was, like, I was so excited. I pulled up in his I said, hey, bro. So, man, you want me to pull that to the dump for you? He's like, man, yeah. Man, you don't mind? Said, no, bro. This is good. I'm just getting this truck. I need to try it out. Man, we hooked on to it, burnt the tires up, leaving the driveway, just brought it all the way to the dump. And we're coming back. He goes, hey, man, stop by the store. I'll buy you a beer. I'm like, Gatorade. You don't drink beer? I said, no, man, quit that a long time ago. I didn't beat him up about his beer. He could drink a beer in my truck. My goal was not to get him to quit drinking beer that day. My goal was to introduce him to Jesus that day. Come on, somebody. My goal was to let my light shine before men so that they would see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. That's what the Bible says to do. That was my goal for the day. I didn't condemn him. I didn't preach to him. I just went and I lived it to him. And I brought that trailer back, back to him. He said, man, thank you, bro. You know, and we became buddies after that. I'd walk the streets early in the morning, just get up and walk and pray. And I'd, I'd pass by his house and I'd just pray, Lord, you save him. I don't know if he's saved yet, but I'm praying he's saved. I let my light shine. That's why he chose us. To let our light shine before men, that they would see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. Amen. Stand up with me.